I've done preaching of all different kinds. I've uh, preached without any notes uh, for an hour long. I've preached, uh, I've read my sermons. There was a great preacher who used to write these fiery sermons, and he would just lean on the pulpit and read his sermons, and everybody would just melt and cringe. And um, So I've done that before, and this morning I happen to have my computer with me. Um, so let me get that fired up. Uh, it is so good to be here with you guys. Uh, this morning, we're going to look at uh, the scripture, Luke 16, 19 through 31. That's the story of Dives and Lazarus. Um, Pastor Brian, you can turn there in your Bibles, and while you're doing that, I'll give you a little bit of an update. Pastor Brian asked me to share about our ministry in the uh, Sunday school hour, so I kind of gave our update during the Sunday school hour. Um, so I'll keep it super brief uh, here. Uh, our work in Nigeria is going fantastic. Um, because of the different things that are going on there in Nigeria, their uh, kidnappings and armed robberies and various, uh, 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 various attacks of different kinds that are happening, um, things changed a little bit. And so our Bible translation ministry um, over the last few years uh, had to learn how to do things remotely. And so we uh, do things on the computer, we use Zoom, we use WhatsApp, we call on the phone, we, we have all these wonderful gadgets um, that here in the States are ruining our lives, but over there, it's really helping the gospel to move forward. And uh, it's, it's uh, very exciting, it was very exciting to see that we could still continue the ministry even in these very difficult areas. So the people are staying there and they, they're going through a lot. Um, but they want the Word of God, and so they're able to work with us through technology. And when we're in Nigeria, we're oftentimes we're in uh, the city, and they're out in the villages, but we're able to communicate with them just like we're there sitting in front of them. And so the ministry is able to go forward. Well, how does that fit into our current scenario? It fits very nicely into our current scenario. For a lot of ministries, when COVID hit, their ministries shut down. They, they, could, they couldn't do their ministries anymore. They had to really scramble to find ways to continue to do their ministries. Our ministry hardly skipped a beat, hardly, hardly missed a thing because we were already set up and moving in that direction. In fact, I was telling them this morning that um, being here in Maine, we actually are getting a lot more done than we did when we were in Nigeria because there are so many uh, interruptions there. Um, and this is being recorded, so I can't tell you a lot of the things that we're involved with, but some very, very exciting stuff. And if you want more details, see me afterwards uh, or talk to somebody that was in the Sunday, Sunday school hour. Um, but the Lord is really blessing, and it's very exciting. Through Bible translation, through scripture engagement, through literacy, through a, a, a big team of people working together, uh, with Wycliffe Bible Translators, we're seeing tens of thousands of lives transformed in Nigeria. It's not front page news anyplace else. You're not going to hear it from a lot of other people, um, but I'm, I'm telling you what, what we're seeing happening. And uh, Pam and I have been there 22 years, and what the Lord has done during that time has been just phenomenal. And as I was saying this morning, um, uh, we're, we're in those twilight years now. So this year I turned 60 and, uh, you know, heading downhill fast. And uh, 
So don't know how many years I got left. Some of you were saying, oh, 60, you know, you're a snot-nosed kid, you know, you don't know anything. Um, uh, But uh, retirement is coming, you know, sometime in the next 10 to 15 years, I imagine. Um, I prefer to pretty much drop dead on the field, just working hard for the Lord. But however that happens, that's fine. But uh, one of the things that, that Pam and I really prayed about is what do we want this to look like? What do we want our next... What do we want this phase of our life to look like? We've had phenomenal success on the mission field. Just the Lord has blessed and done far above and beyond what we could have ever imagined. Um, And the temptation would be to just kind of coast with that and ride that into, you know, kind of reduce our responsibilities and just get lighter and lighter in our work and, and, and reduce until we retire. You know, that's the temptation. But Pam and I prayed about it. We talked to each other, sought the Lord. And uh, we felt like the Lord was saying, nope, listen, the, the Lord didn't say no, uh, but the Lord said, listen, Mark, Pam, if you guys will double down, if you will press in, if you will take big chances for me and trust me, I'll show you some amazing stuff. That's just what we sensed in, in, our, in our heart, that that's what the Lord was saying. So here we are. Heading into our 60s, it's going to be a fun ride. We're, we're, we're looking forward. We asked the Lord, okay, give us the, mo- the worst, the hardest, the most resistant, the, the, the language group that people have had the toughest time with. Nobody's coming to Christ. They're creating a lot of problems. I can't tell you the name of it, but um, the Lord blessed us with that. And on Friday, we interviewed four Bible translators and we're getting ready to start a Bible translation project in that group. And we're hoping we've got this really cool plan uh, for getting the gospel out there. We used it with another very resistant Muslim group. And, uh, and, and, and it's been working phenomenally. Tens of thousands of, of those people have come to Christ and been discipled. And then uh, we're gonna, we want to try it with this group, which is about 9 million people. And, um, and we want to see what the Lord will do. We're just going to step out. We're just we're going to try to do our best with the energy and the time that we have, and uh, and see what God will do. And we're we're so grateful that that you're here with us, that you're our partners, that you're sending us out. We're so grateful for you for this last year. You sent us wood uh, for our stove three different times. Uh, we had one quart of wood um, at the beginning. Never thought we'd be here past September. Um, and then we got COVID, and so we had ended up having to stay. Well, then we realized, oh, we're going to be into the winter, so I had to work on the cabin to get it finished so that we could actually spend, you know, so we didn't freeze to death. And then we realized, oh, wow, we need a, a wood stove, and a, another church bought us a wood stove, but we didn't have any wood. We had a little bit of wood, so we, st- we burned up that one quart of wood, and then I was pulling logs out of the snow, and I was cutting them up and splitting them, and the neighbor loaned us their splitter, and Pam was running the splitter, and she stuck her finger in there, and the splitter nearly cut her finger off. It just crushed it. And so uh, then that's why we're still here, is that Pam's finger got so bad that, um, you know, they thought she was going to lose it. It's been touch and go, um, but she's on the mend. It's getting better. So it's been months and months and months. So what happened was she... she um, couldn't use this hand, so she had to use this hand for everything. Well, then she got like carpal tunnel in this hand, something like carpal tunnel. And so here she is like stuck like this. She can't do anything. So guess who gets to do all the dressing, all the uh, bathing, 
all the driving to the appointments, all the dishes, all the cooking, all the cleaning, and all that. The, the, the neighbor. No, no, uh, just kidding. It, no, it was me, and, and I'm happy to do it because I, I love to serve my wife. She's been, uh, you know, next to Jesus, the greatest blessing in my life. Um, and she's not here today. She would be here today. Her brother passed away yesterday. So uh, the first of the five siblings that have passed away, and, and she got to actually be there holding his hand when he passed. And... Um, so uh, she sends her love to you and, and thanks you for praying for her. And, well, um, you know, I, I, I waited on the Lord for a, a, a number of days, uh, maybe weeks, you know, when I knew I was going to preach. You know, the last time I preached was, I think, exactly one year ago to today. So I haven't preached in all that time. I've <laughs> uh, been working on Bible translation, but no preaching. And uh, so I wait on the Lord to see if there's a particular topic that he wants me to, you know, talk to you folks about. Maybe there's something that somebody's dealing with or, or whatever. And so I try to listen, listen for the Lord and nothing, nothing in particular. So that, those are fun times because then I get to choose. And um, uh, so I, I often choose things that I'm involved with. And, um, uh, you know, we, uh, we, well, I'll, Let's just get into the word, and then I'll, then I'll explain it. I want to read Luke 16, 19 to 31, just tell you the, the story of the rich man and Lazarus. So verse 19, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried in hell where he was in torment. He took up, he looked up and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And beside all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been filled, so that those who want to come from here to you cannot, nor can anyone come from over there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house. For I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to them, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. Okay, we just had Easter, and uh, around Easter time, I think a lot, uh, a lot of my thoughts all day long are about the resurrection. And you know, just because Easter has passed, that doesn't mean we stop thinking about the resurrection, right? Um, the Apostle Paul said that he preaches one thing, and one thing only, and that's Jesus Christ and him crucified. So everything of any eternal value will always come back to the resurrection. 
Because the resurrection was the most important event in all of human history. There will never, never has been, never will be another more important event than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we're going to, we'll get, we'll get into that a little bit more as we go along. Now, while I was thinking about the resurrection, our neighbor, our close neighbor and, and good friend died this last week. And his nephew came over to the house, and we were having a discussion. I wanted to make sure that the nephew was doing okay. He's also a friend of ours. And he asked about, um, you know, the spirits. You know, what happens when somebody dies? Where, where does their spirit go? And um, I don't know about around here, but in Nigeria, that's a topic that everybody wants to discuss. They want to know what happens to spirits when, they, when people die because they believe that the spirits wander around. And, um, you know, they don't keep their dogs quiet at night because when the dogs are barking, that means that there are spirits around and the dogs are, are you know, which, you know, for the neighbors is not a fun <laughs> situation. Um, but we have to explain to them a lot of times. We have, to, we have to take time and explain to them, look, there's, you know, the, the, their spirits are not on the loose. They're not walking around. They're not going to torment you. You're not going to see them. Um, you have God. You have angels, you have men, okay? So everything's going to fall, you know, and animals, of course, and lots of other things. But, but there's God and there's angels. Now, some of those angels are good and some have fallen, uh, and they are demons. And those demons, um, they, can, they can do things. Uh, demons can inhabit people, okay? Um, now, if somebody has accepted Jesus Christ, then the Holy Spirit is in them, and there's a great big sign on the front door that says, no vacancy, okay? And so those demons are, 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 can't come in, you know? The Holy Spirit is there, full house, you can't come in. Um, uh, but they can trick you, they can fool you, they can try to scare you, um, they can't really hurt you. So... Uh, and I'm explaining this because we live in Nigeria. We live in a bush. Vi- we lived in a bush village in a in a in a mud block house with a tin roof. And our neighbors were people lived in stick huts with you know uh, grass roofs and so forth. And and they had these are real relevant questions. And even people today, I mean, um, uh, there are people who believe that and think that and wonder about that. So it's it's actually a relevant topic for us um, here today. We went to one lady's camp there in Nigeria. Her name was Reiki, and she was telling us that in her camp at night, nobody's sleeping at night because as soon as they lay down to go to sleep, they would hear these loud noises inside their huts, and it would frighten them and wake them up. And uh, so she asked if we, would, if we would come and pray. And so we went down there. We, we didn't know if they were going to let us pray in the camp, so we stood from a distance and you know, stretched out our hands and prayed for the camp. And then we went down in the camp and we talked to them and hung out with them for a while. And just as we're leaving, we said, can we pray for you? And they said, yes. So we prayed that, you know, God would stop this, and, and he did. And that was the first step of, of, of one of the Reikias. There are two ladies named Reikia there, both married to the same man. Um, that's how they do things, up to four wives. And, um, and that was the one of the first steps of her seeing the power of God and coming to a believing knowledge uh, of, of Jesus. So, um, so here's the question. The question is out there. Where do the spirits of people go when they die? Now, the Bible is very interesting on this topic. 
Um, you would think cut and dry, you know, very clear, very simple. But this is one of those topics that has had, through the Bible, what we call progressive revelation. Like, there wasn't, there wasn't, it wasn't much talked about early on about where people go when they die. If, if you start reading chronologically through the Bible, there wasn't a whole lot in there. And then progressively, there got to be more and more. <clears throat> and God revealed more and more. Now, the Old Testament is pretty clear and it teaches that dead people go to the place of the dead it's it's called the place of the dead okay and now in hebrew that word is sheol now, i don't know if, i don't know if this confused you it confused me at first because I've, I've heard of sheol i've heard of hades i've heard of hell um you know what what's what well sheol is the hebrew term for the place of the dead and uh, Hades is the Greek word, right? If you've watched your uh, cartoons, you know about Hades was the god of the dead. You know, ooh, is my hair out? Uh, you guys remember that? Okay, never mind. Um, so Hades is the Greek word for the same place, and then hell is the English word for the same place, and that comes from the pre-Christian, the pagan uh, England, uh, way back when they were um, pagans didn't know God. And so these, all these words are the same place. Now, the Old Testament, I'm going to give you just a quick overview of what the Old Testament says about Sheol. Um, it refers to the grave or the abode of the dead. That's in Psalms 88. Uh, much of the Old Testament period, it was believed that all went to one place, whether human or animal. So if you're a good person, you're a bad person, or you're an animal, all the souls went to the place of the dead. Psalms 49 uh, talks about that. Whether righteous or wicked, Ecclesiastes, no one could avoid Sheol, um, Psalms, which was thought to be down in the lowest parts of the earth. Okay, so where, where is this place? It's actually down inside the earth, down in the lower parts of the earth. That's, that's what they believe. And that's actually what was alluded to in scriptures. Unlike this word, unlike this world, Sheol is devoid of love, hate, envy, work, thought, knowledge, and wisdom. Um, descriptions are bleak. There's no light. There's no remembrance. There's no praise of God. There's no sound at all, in fact. Um, it, its inhabitants are weak, trembling shadows um, who can never hope to escape from its gates so they're locked in sheol is like a ravenous beast that swallows the living without being sated or satisfied some thought the dead were cut off from god while others believed that the presence of of god reached even sheol and you see that in psalms 139 uh, but toward the end of the old testament god revealed that there will be a resurrection of the dead so once you get to isaiah all of a sudden we we find out there's going to be a resurrection from the dead. People don't stay in the, in the place of the dead forever. Uh, at some point, Sheol will no longer uh, devour. Instead, God will swallow up death. That's in Isaiah 25. The faithful will be rewarded with everlasting life, while the rest will experience eternal contempt. That's in Daniel. Um, so this... So this 
you know, their, their ideas about this and God's revelation about this developed over time. And by Jesus' time, it was a common idea that the righteous dead went to a place um, of comfort. Uh, that was a common idea. So Sheol is thought to be in the center of the earth, right? So if you drill down far enough, you'll hit it. Um, now, I don't know if any of you have done this, um, but if you Google Sheol uh, on the Internet, you'll find pictures of, you know, the, the Jewish concept of, of Sheol being down inside the earth. But you'll also find a whole bunch of sites that have all kinds of information about this drilling team that was in Siberia. And they drilled down 14 and a half kilometers into the earth and they were, you know, testing things. And they hit, a, they hit an open space down there. The blade just spun wildly and they said, oh, it's got to be open space. And so they wanted to listen to the movement of tectonic plates, so they, they lowered a microphone down there, and, and supposedly the, the sounds that they heard coming back were, were groaning and crying out of people. Um, now, I personally doubt it, but a lot of people swear by it, um, and it was on the Internet, so it has to be true, right? <laughs> Okay, so here's a little uh, and and here's a little riddle that I made up for you. So it's a warning, it's tricky. Okay, between Abraham, Moses, Elijah, and Enoch, which of them went to heaven when he died? Anybody know? Okay, it says that God took Enoch and he took Elijah without dying, right? So it wasn't those guys didn't go to heaven when they, when they died because they didn't die. Now, the other, the other part about that that you have to understand is that the Jews believe in seven levels of heaven, right? And so it may be not, not that God took, took them straight up into heaven, right? Okay, here's another, here's another one for you. Um, Moses and Abraham died and went to Sheol, according to the Old Testament, right? Here's another riddle. Where do good people and bad people go when they die? Now, bear with me. I'm going to go through a few of these, and I'm going to give you answers, and you just got to be patient. They go to hell, okay? Sheol, the place of the dead, Hades, hell, they're all the same they're all the same, right? According to the Old Testament, they go to hell. Where do people who believe in God go? They go to hell. James 2 says that, okay, just because you believe in God does not mean you're going to go to heaven. All right? James chapter 2 says, oh, you believe that there is one God? Good for you. The devils even believe that. The demons even believe that. And they shake. They shudder. Okay? Have you figured out where I'm going with this yet? Good people don't go to heaven. People who believe in God don't go to heaven. People who follow the Ten Commandments perfectly don't go to heaven. People who know the Bible frontwards and backwards don't go to heaven. People who spent their whole lives helping other people and taking nothing for themselves in return don't go to heaven. According to my Bible, 
only saved people go to heaven. Now, my, my, my brother-in-law passed away yesterday. Um, and about a month or two ago, he knew he was dying, and he, so he had a family telephone call, and we all talked to him on the phone. He said, look, don't worry about me because I've made my peace with God. And as soon as we hung up, I told Pam, I said, sweetheart, the first chance you get, you need to make sure that the peace that he made with God was mediated by Jesus. Because, guess what? It has nothing to do with you declaring a truce with God. People spend their whole lives mad at God, and in the end, they, they make their peace with God. It's got nothing to do with that. If you want to get into heaven, it's, it's more than that. Crocodile Dundee says, me and God, we'd be mates. No, not really. Uh, not unless you take the step of accepting Jesus Christ, as Romans 10, 9 and 10 says. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you're a good person, you're not going to get into heaven. If you're perfect in church, you're not getting into heaven. You need to make that commitment to Jesus because it's with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. So what, is this, what does this mean? Okay, what has God raised him? You have to believe that God raised him from the dead. Well, elsewhere it says that God raising Jesus from the dead is a sign that he accepts Jesus' sacrifice for the sins of man. Okay, so when you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, it's a package deal. You're saying that you're a sinner. Okay, it's not just, yeah, I intellectually believe that God raised him from the dead. You're saying that you're a sinner that you did not deserve anything good from God, that you were dead because you have sinned and the penalty for sin is eternal destruction, you're saying that the only way for you to get your sins forgiven and you get into heaven is to accept that Jesus Christ died for your sins and that his work on the cross was acceptable to God the Father and that Jesus Christ is now your master. You are no longer the master of your own destiny, Jesus is your master. If you believe all that, you're in. If you don't believe that, you don't stand a chance. Um, I went to Disneyland one time. Now, for small children, Disneyland is paradise. That's heaven. Okay, that's their, pretty much their concept of heaven. But if you go to Disneyland, uh, you will probably park about half a mile away from the entrance, right? And you'll take a shuttle and pass acres and acres full of cars, right? Now, suppose somebody went and they, they washed every single one of those cars, and then they went up to the front desk and they said, I washed every single car out in that parking lot, let me in. What are they going to say? They say, no ticky, no laundry. Okay? If you don't have a ticket, an entrance ticket, you're not getting it. It doesn't matter what you do. All the good things you do, it doesn't matter. If you don't have Jesus Christ in your heart, if you don't believe and trust in him, you're not going to heaven. And I'm, I'm hard on this because, because I've got people dying right and left around me, and I want to be sure that they know specifically. My mom one time, she called me on the carpet. I was sending an email back to her and about essential oils, and I had an essential oils dealer, and we were talking because she had cancer. And so 
this lady sent me a, a thing about essential oils, and, and I said, well, you know, my mom's not a believer. And so that was way down in the list of, of, you know, the chain, right? Well, my mom, when I finally forwarded her the information from this lady about essential oils, she read through the whole thing. And she saw where I said, my mom's not a believer. Well, my mom is a very, very spiritual person. Grew up Catholic and then got into New Age stuff and all that, right? And so we're out hiking. On her 80th birthday, we hiked a mountain. Pretty cool, huh? Um, so we're hiking up the mountain, and she says, she says, I have a bone to pick with you. And I said, what? She said, that on that email that you sent to that lady, you said, I'm not a believer. She said, I've always considered myself a believer. And I said, well, okay, let me explain. Between that lady and I, uh, we understand what believer communicates is we both believe in the Bible, what the Bible teaches. And what the Bible teaches is that you have to put your full trust only in Jesus in order for salvation. Okay? Not Mary. It's not the church. It's not anything else. You put your full trust in Jesus Christ. And I said, that's for, for when we're talking to each other, that's what a believer is. I said, do you fit that description? And she said, no. So, you know, we had these conversations. I've talked to my mom before she passed away. I talked to her many, many times. And, and that's why I'm trying to be so straight with this is because right now I'm in this mode of people dying all around me. And, I, you know, they've got to know. They have to know. We can't just, you know, oh, we hope they get there. You know, they need to know clearly what's at stake. And right up until the time she passed, I was sitting right by, beside her when she passed, I kept whispering into her ear. She couldn't talk for the whole last week. I kept whispering in her ear, it's not too late, Mom. Cry out to Jesus even while you, you know, you don't even have a voice, but you, you still got your brain still working. I can see it in her eyes. She's still, she's still, I said, just cry out to Jesus. If you put your trust in him, even now, you will be with him in paradise shortly. And so I don't know if she did or she didn't, but um, that's why I'm, I'm on this. All right, all, all of that was background to get into this passage. Um, this is a parable. It's an illustration. We don't use illustrations to construct doctrine. You know that, right? We don't take the stories that Jesus said in the Bible and construct doctrine about them. They're, they're pictures, they're illustrations, they're stories that illustrate other truths that are already communicated in the scriptures, okay? So we have to be a little bit careful with, with this story. Um, they can give details to other doctrines, and that's what I think this one does to me. We've already seen that Sheol is taught in the scriptures, and then this story gives us a little bit more help. So in the story, we have Lazarus. The name Lazarus means God helps. He's a poor, crippled, starving, sick man. And we have dives, which dives in your Bible might say uh, rich man, which dives is a Latin word for rich man. So um, they both go to Sheol, the place of the dead. Uh, and this is where it gets to me, gets interesting to me. Um, in Sheol, according to this story, there's two chambers. In the place of the dead, there are two chambers, right? There's a place for the bad people, and there's a place for the righteous people. And they can kind of see each other somehow, but they can't cross over to each other. Um, so when Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and the rest died, they went straight to heaven, right? Oh, they went to the place of the dead. Why? 
Why would they go to the place of the dead? Why didn't they just go straight to heaven? Anybody got an idea? Because the resurrection hadn't happened yet. Jesus had not paid the price for their sins yet. They can't get into heaven. God is completely holy. He cannot have sin in his presence. That sin has to be dealt with before they can go to heaven. So they've got to wait and hang out until Jesus dies on the cross. Amen? Um, so that, that place where the righteous uh, stayed was called Abraham's bosom. So, like, if you remember the Last Supper, um, you know, uh, in, in, in some translations, I think it says that John leaned against Jesus' breast, you know. Well, if we were sitting around a kitchen table here, it, that would be kind of weird, right? You know, here you are, you kind of, you know, sticking your head over there. But if you're on the kind of table that they have with no chairs... You know, the food's sitting there in the middle of you, and you've got pillows, and you're, you're leaning. Well, I think it was on the left. You'd have your head kind of at the chest of the guy next to you. You know, your legs would be going around this way, and that's just how they did it. Why did I just bring that up? I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> it will come to light. Okay, so this scripture... Um, might, I'm, I'm running out of time, so I can't, I'm not sure I can really bring these in. Let me, just, let me just read these scriptures. These are a little controversial scriptures. Folks, I'll just be honest with you. Uh, on, on the important things, the Bible is very clear, cut, and dry. But there's a whole bunch of stuff that's fuzzy. And uh, this is, these are scriptures, these two scriptures that I'm going to read they can be interpreted different ways, but let's just put them in the context of this and see what happens. Now, I'm told that I have 12 minutes left. Is that correct? All right. You heard the man. Okay. So in Ephesians 4, 7 to 9, uh, let's just do verse 8. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, talking about Jesus, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower parts of the earth? Okay? Could be talking about Sheol. Could be talking about Jesus going down to Sheol. 1 Peter 4, 6 says, For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. Okay, so some believe that those refer to Jesus going down into, um, into Sheol. In fact, the Apostles' Creed, which is, I think, the oldest creed that Christianity has. It goes back to the, to the 4th century, 400, to 400s, um, anyway. Um, it says he descended into hell. And so Christians from around the world, uh, when they get together through the centuries have believed that Jesus descended into hell. I did not know that this was such a hot topic and that, that theologians had such different ideas about this. Um, now, John Calvin, if you've heard of him, he's like one of the biggest men who, who in, in terms of changing our theology, was very influential in, in, in a lot of uh, the, uh, theology. Um, he thought that Jesus went to Sheol Went to, went to hell to take on more punishment because it wasn't all done on the cross. 
Now, he's like one of the top, top guys in all of Christianity in terms of theology, and that's, that's what he believed, that he, he went down. Um, John Piper, who is a Reformed theologian of today, maybe some of you know him, so he's in the line of Calvin, doesn't believe that Jesus went into Sheol at all. So even within the Reformed people, there's like, you know, a big... Okay, so... I'll try, to, I'll try to wrap this up. See, so you get into these things, and it gets interesting and deep, and I hope I haven't lost anybody. I hope this is still interesting. Um, I'm not a theologian, but this makes sense to me. If there is a Sheol, a place of the dead, like many places in the Old Testament says there are, and anybody, and nobody can go to heaven until after Jesus dies on the cross for their sins, they have to stay someplace, and they can't be kept in hell where people are tormented. So they must have had a special place. So this story, to me, gives the answer. It was Abraham's bosom. It makes sense that when Jesus died, he would go to Sheol, the place of the dead. He tells Mary Magdalene not to hold on to him because he was not, had not yet gone to the Father. That was on Sunday, right? That was on Sunday morning. Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb. He says, don't hold on to me. I haven't been to the Father yet. Um, so he hasn't gone to the Father yet. Where's he been? What's he been doing? You know, that was Friday night. You got all day Saturday and then Sunday morning. Um, so what, now why would he go to Sheol? Would he go to Sheol to be locked up with everybody else? Um, or to be punished like John Calvin said? No. Um, he went there to preach. He went there to tell the people that were locked in Sheol the good news. Why would they need to know the good news? Folks, they didn't have the scriptures I mean, a lot of those people died before Moses was even born. They didn't have even the Old Testament. So they didn't know all that had transpired. There's, there's a wall. They don't know what's going on on earth. So he gets to go down there. Jesus goes down there, tells everybody um, what has happened and that they don't have to stay in Sheol uh, forever. Okay? He also came to unlock the gate, right? They're locked in. We saw that imagery before. They're locked in. He comes and unlocks the gate. Remember Ephesians 4, 8 said he led forth captives. So that could explain that. He led forth captives. Um, okay. Okay, now, did he preach to the guys on the bad side? Don't know. You know, I don't know. But it makes sense to me that he told everybody on the good side that, that they're good. Uh, even the bad side, though, the bad side of hell doesn't last forever. Right? Some of you know. Yeah, some of you know. Um, you'll see, you say, hell lasts forever. No, no, not in that place. Remember, Revelations 20, 13 to 14 says that Hades, or hell, or Sheol, gets emptied of its dead people, and Hades gets thrown into the lake of fire. Verse 13 says, The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So hell is not the final destination. That's what I'm saying. Hell is not the final destination. The lake of fire is the final destination. Hades, hell, Sheol... Actually, it's like a physical thing, apparently. 
picked up, thrown into the lake of fire. But it's empty by now. Nobody's, nobody's in it. So Jesus unlocks, Jesus unlocks Sheol. What, is there any other scripture that ties in with that? Well, if you remember in Revelations 1.18, Jesus says, I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. I think it's interesting. I'm not going to start a new uh, anything about that, but um, okay. So, what does this story tell us? All right, it's not a. It doesn't give deep theological points, but what what does this story tell us? Well, if you go on the internet, you'll see a lot of focus on a lot of things that I don't think are accurate. Okay. Um, this story is not about rich people being evil and poor people being good. It's not about how we should look out for our fellow man, though we should. It's not about rich people going to hell and poor people going to heaven. It's weird how many people have that concept. You know, you rich people, you are going to, going to hell. Jesus did say that it's harder for a rich man to go to heaven than it's, it's easier for an, uh, a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to go to heaven. So it's, but let me, let me just say, it's impossible for any man to go to heaven outside of Christ. Um, we learn that Sheol is not the final resting place of anybody. Um, it does not indicate that people who died have connection with those alive, okay? So, you know, Dives is saying, hey, go, go talk to my brothers, you know. Well, Dives can't, he's locked up. He can't, he can't get out. Spirits can't get out. So this goes back to the answer to the question of the nephew, neighbor, the neighbor's nephew, and the people that are in the villages around us all over the place in Nigeria. The spirits can't get out. They can't roam. They can't, they're not there haunting us, bothering us. Um, so it's a, it's a very real thing um, to some people. It does show us that there is a conscious afterlife, okay? You wouldn't believe the number of people, uh, great, great theologians, great theologians, who believe that once we die, the soul kind of goes to sleep. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't have any kind of activity or awareness or anything. It just goes to sleep until the judgment, and then it wakes back up, right? But if this story illustrates what, what really happens is we have a conscious we have a conscious afterlife, okay? The people have a conscious afterlife. Um, it shows us that some people can be completely callous to the needs of those right at their door. It does. It illustrates how, how I mean, they said that, that Lazarus was laid right at his doorstep. Um, it shows that, um, that decisions that we make on earth impact our eternity, clearly shows that. It shows that money can't buy heaven and that money doesn't prove that God approves of your life. You would not believe how many people through history believe that. I'm rich. God's blessing me. I must be doing it right. I must be, we, we must be good. Um, it shows that people who focus on themselves rather than God go to hell. It shows that even the lowest, most pathetic person in the community can go to heaven. And, and that right there, that's worth the whole price of admission for this story. Is it, it, 
knowing that no matter who you are, the lowest of the low, and I work with some low people. I mean, they're, they're a mess, missing arms, legs, dragging themselves on the ground wherever they go. You know, even that person can enter heaven. Um, it shows that angels carry you to heaven. Okay, if we take that. Now, I've, I, I know people in Nigeria, though well, they're dead now, so I don't know them, but um, when they were dying on their deathbed, they said, do you see them? Do you see the four men coming? Do you, do you see them? And, you know, th- these kinds of, you know, incredible things happen. I'm not going to build a theology on that, uh, but it's, it, it's possible. It confirms that Jesus upheld the Jewish belief in Sheol, it shows that if you put your faith in Moses and the prophets, trusted God, that you would, you'd, okay, go to Sheol. Um, it confirms that there is fire in hell. Remember, hell is temporary. Lake of fire is forever. There are people today, they don't want to preach. You're not going to hear hell preached from their pulpit. Jesus talked about hell more than almost any other topic. But they will not preach it because it's an uncomfortable reality. Um, but this story tells us that it, it shows us that Abraham had no condemnation for dives. He didn't judge him. He didn't say, nah, 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 you got what you deserved. Um, once you're dead, your opportunities end. You wouldn't believe the number of Christians that believe that you can improve yourself morally after you're dead. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of Christians believe that. Not us, you know, Bible-focused, Bible-believing Christians, but, um, okay, it teaches us that if you're going to ignore God, then you better enjoy this life a lot, because it's all you're going to get. And I had a story that goes along with that, but I'll pass on it. Um, Now, I've got a question for you. If dives had been charitable towards Lazarus, would he have gone to heaven? Let me put it another way. Will Bill Gates go to heaven because he has spent billions on charity? He will not. It's not about good deeds. Um, and I'm, I'm running out of time here, but um, Jesus, okay, so think about this. Jesus had already la- uh, raised Lazarus, a different Lazarus, from the dead, right? And the people that knew Lazarus, there were a lot of people that knew Lazarus, they knew he was dead four days, and he was raised from the dead. They refused to believe, even though they saw a man raised from the dead. And and, and this story is, is just saying, it's telling us, look, there are some people who are just never going to believe. So what do we do with those people? We continue to love them. We continue to patiently share the gospel with them. Um, We don't need to be pushy. Um, give opportunities and don't sweat it. I have another story about my dad, but I won't tell you. I, I just, I told my dad, I'll, I'll just give you the brief. I told my dad, look, dad, I used to always bring it up. Every time I visited with him, I would look, look for some way to, you know, sneak it in. And I finally got tired of being so stressed out, you know, about it. I said, I wrote him an email and I said, dad, here's the gospel. You know, if you want to talk about it, you talk to me. And he did. He later talked to me and then accepted Christ. But, um, you know, I, and, but from that point on, I, just, I, did, I never talked about Jesus unless he brought it up. And the Lord, the Lord brought him. Um, so 
And, and in Nigeria, we had this guy that we documented. We interviewed him, talked to him, recorded his testimony, the whole thing. He's a Muslim guy, didn't know anything about Christianity, never been in a church, didn't know anything, no contact with any Christians. Muslim guy died. They wrapped him up in, their, in his burial shroud, getting ready to bury him. He comes alive. He comes alive, and, and they cut him out, and he pops out, and he says, I've just been with Jesus, and we need to be following him. And he's, surre- he's, in, he's, yeah, he's in a mosque, right? That, that's good, good clapping material. He's in a mosque full of people, right? And what was their response? Oh, a dead man came to life and said that Jesus is true. We need to follow it. Was that their response? No, they said, we need to kill this guy because he's going to ruin our little empire here. So it's, it's, anyway, in conclusion, we cannot comfort people that their loved ones went to heaven unless we know that they gave their lives to Jesus. Fortunately, um, I had the conversation with my neighbor before he died. So I could tell his nephew that he made a, a confession of faith. Um, it's up to God to judge him, you know. Uh, we can encourage people that though we don't know where their loved one is, they can take the steps to know where their own souls will be going. Um, if, we don't, if, if we don't know Christ, we can use this story to remind ourselves about the reality of hell and the serious consequences of ignoring God and motivate ourselves to accept Him now without delay. Do you get that? Some of us are lazy people. We don't want to move. But let me tell you, let the reality of this sink in and what you're playing for here and let it scare you. Go ahead. Let it scare you into action, into making sure that you have a commitment, a strong commitment to Jesus Christ. And then finally, we can be encouraged nowadays that we don't have to go to Sheol right? Because what does Paul say in 2 Corinthians 2.5? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, right? We We don't have to pass through Sheol. Jesus paid the price. We get, we go direct. That's my belief. Others believe that other things happen, but I believe that the Bible teaches we go straight from here as a believer, straight to the presence of God. The price has already been paid. And frankly, I'm looking forward to that. Um, I really hope that my brother and my neighbor, my brother-in-law and my neighbor, um, made it to heaven. I would, I would love to see them there. I hope all of us make it to heaven. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing you all there. And uh, if, if you're not sure about your salvation, if you are not rock-solid sure about your relationship with Jesus and that He is truly living in your heart and He is the Lord of your life, the, the master of your life, the controller of your life, the guy calling the shots in your life, then you need to come and see one of the, one of the leaders here and talk to them. And they will guide you in, in how to follow Jesus. Amen? Amen.